my dorm room. I didn't even have money for sheets for my bed. And I knelt beside my bed, and I cried to the Lord. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to provide for me. And sure enough, he did. Not only did he provide sheets for my bed, but he also paid my tuition. He also got me a job. He also got me my first car. And he took care of me. And the Bible says God will take care of you. He said you're more valuable than sparrows. You're more valuable than the lilies of the field. But if you seek him first, everything else will be added unto you. So tonight. The same God who said those things to us is concerned about our finances as well. And there may be someone in this room who's having financial difficulties. If that's you, or if you know someone who's having some financial difficulties and you'd like to lift them up in prayer, why don't you join us as the pianist plays up front tonight. Our senior pastor, Dr. Rock, will be praying for us tonight and leading us to the throne of grace. So if you'd like to pray over your own finances, or if you know someone who needs prayer of their finances, come up to the front, join hands with the person beside you, and we're going to pray and lift up the name of the Lord. Before Dr. Rock prays, take a few moments, pray in your seat, talk to God about your personal situation, and then Dr. Rock will lead us to the throne of grace from up front. Shall we kneel? And now our Father in heaven, we kneel in humility in your awesome presence. We kneel to praise your name, to extol your name. We kneel to own that you are the great God of the universe. You made us, you created us, you made the world, you made all things, and all things belong to you. We come to thank you that though Thou art the great God of the universe. You have the patience and the love to look down upon us poor, feeble creatures. Sinners saved by grace. Food for worms should time last. But with the hope of the resurrection and the hope of everlasting life when our Lord shall return. But until then, Lord, we have to live in this practical world and we have to have the materials with which to take care of our families. We have to have materials with which to spread the gospel. And we don't come tonight asking that you will make us all rich. We're not come pleading for wealth. But we're coming because there are some who have genuine problems. Maybe because of sicknesses. Maybe because of bad investments. Maybe because of thefts and abuse by other members of families. Maybe because of Sabbath problems that we've had on our jobs. Maybe because 
We have not budgeted like we should have. We have not been as careful as we might have. But whatever the problem, Lord, you know. And so our specific prayer tonight is to give your people the finance, the wherewithal, the legal tender to survive, to be in good health, to send our children to school, and to be able to support your programs in the church, as well as to help in the community. And you know all the reasons that we need these dollars. You understand. Please, Lord, it's not to be selfish. We don't just want to buy clothes and look good and profile and image and try to be better than others. We promise you tonight that if you will give us this facility, we will consecrate it to you. We will return our tithe and we will give you a free will offering. And we promise to help others and we promise to do it, Lord, not always telling others. We promise just to have the joy of secretly helping people as well as that of letting our light shine as we can to inspire others. And so, Lord, we pray knowing that you have promised, knowing that you have said, prove me now herewith that you will open the windows of heaven. And so we pledge, we consecrate, and we thank you in the worthy name of Jesus, our Savior who left the riches of glory and became poor, that we might be rich in his righteousness, in his name, and for his sake. Amen. Good evening, church. Well, Lord, you've seen them all In all my resolution Still I stumble now and then But you remain Just like you've always been Faithful Unchangeable ever-present help when I'm in need. Counselor, Lord, you are wonderful. 
like a child who rejects for things best left alone and learns too late that father really knew best all alone you held my hand in sorrow you helped me to believe you gently promised you and all
talk to many of you today, and there's been a common thread as we've talked from our service yesterday to our service today. Some of you had a very difficult day. And your pastor is not excluded from that. I was taught a long time ago by one of my professors, Dr. Shan, there's no such thing as coincidence. We have an enemy. And we have an enemy who is angry. People are learning the truth from the word of God. Enemy doesn't like that. And I bet if you took a survey of some individuals who couldn't arrive tonight, they would tell you something out of the ordinary took place. But those of you who made it tonight know this. God is concerned and he's working it out for you. No matter what difficulty you may have faced today, you're in the house of God now. And only good things can happen now that you're here. That's why this is the sanctuary. You can find rest and you can find peace here. At the end of this service, I'm going to be making a special invitation to several people. And as I make this invitation, I'm asking that you prepare your hearts now. Prepare your hearts for what God has for you. And I promise that you'll be blessed. If that's your desire on tonight, would you please stand with me as we prepare for the word of God? Dear Heavenly Father, it has been a very difficult day, but Lord, through it all, you've seen fit to bring us to this point. So in this sanctuary, we bless your name, and we say that the devil is a liar. Lord, this is the beginning of a new week, and tomorrow morning, many of us have to face the new work week. I ask humbly, Lord, that you bless your people with just what they need to hear to not get them through the week, but just to get them through tomorrow, Lord. Please bless everyone under the sound of my voice in spite of me, Lord. And Lord, while you're blessing others, I humbly ask that you bless my family as well. Lord, tonight... May we grow closer to you. In the name of Jesus, let everyone say amen. You may be seated. The book of Exodus chapter 19. The book of Exodus chapter 19. Beginning at verse 14, reading from the New International Version of the Bible, 
after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day, abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone, look at this, look at this. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord, have mercy, had descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Look at this. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Can you imagine speaking and God answering you? Hearing the audible voice of God. Verse 20, the Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord, and many of them perish. We trifle with God. We play around with God. We come into the sanctuary and talk about any and everything. We sit here and have evil thoughts in their mind. And God was warning Moses, if people come through, if people force their way up the mountain, they will lose their life because my glory will have no choice but to consume their sin. You don't play with God. And you definitely don't play with the presence of God. Even the priest who approached the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. Do we know what a privilege it is to even pray and go before the Lord? And do you know even as we pray and go before the Lord, we have to be covered by his blood or even we would be consumed? Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priest and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. The thunder roared as if a monstrous lion had stubbed his toe. The lightning peeled all around the mountain and the valley. Mount Sinai swayed like a tree 
in a hurricane, but Moses stood still with confidence because soon he would be in the presence of God. Moses spent time with God. Moses had the privilege of being with God in a way that few people had rarely been before. And as he left the mountain, he left changed. You cannot truly go into the presence of the Lord without leaving changed. And Moses left changed. His hair was different. His body was different. His mindset was different. He had crossed over from the linear to the eternal. He had crossed over from time to having no time at all. He was in such a state of worship that he had to put a veil over his face because if someone looked at him, the glory of God was still so strong on them that they would have passed out and died. God and his presence is a wonderful thing. But Moses didn't come out of the presence of God empty-handed. As Moses came from the presence of God, he hugged close to his breast two tablets of stone, tablets that had been constructed by the very finger of God. Throughout the Bible, holy men authored this word, but the only thing that was written by the finger of God was the Ten Commandments. Oh yes, God inspired the writers of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. God inspired the writers of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, but God himself wrote the Ten Commandments. Moses rubbed his hands across the tablets of stone. He yearned to be in the presence of God once again, even though he knew he had a job to do among the people. And as he read each one, he realized these are things they had lived by all of their life. But the people had gotten so wicked, they had to put it in stone as a constant reminder. Every one of the commandments had ramifications that would bring you ridicule if you did it, every one of them, if you killed someone, there was consequences. If you lied on someone, you would lose friends. If you had idols, you would be ostracized. But there was one commandment. There was one commandment that began with remember. It began with remember because God knew that of all the commandments, as time passed, it would be the easiest to forget. Exodus 20, chapter, Exodus 20, verse 8. Many of you know it by heart. Exodus 20 and verse 8, going all the way through verse 11. Let's read it together. If you know it by heart, you can say it by heart. What does it say, saints? Remember the what? To keep it what? Six days shall thy and do is the of the Lord thy God in it nor thy nor thy cattle 
nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that in the midst, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Amen. I said amen, amen. to the word of God. He blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. It's the only commandment that begins with remember. It's the only commandment that goes through an elaborate explanation on why you should remember it. And unfortunately, in this day and age, it is the most neglected commandment. Even among godly people, they don't keep the Sabbath. I have several friends who are godly people. And after they leave church on Sunday, they'll go get a beer, they'll go watch the football game, they'll go shopping, and it's any other day. I've done my time with God in the morning, so for the rest of the day, I'm going to do my own thing. A few years ago, I had a privilege of meeting a prominent pastor in Atlanta. I went to his church on a Sunday morning, went to the worship service, it was a very nice worship service. After the service, he invited me and some other theology majors to the back. As we got to the back on his holy day, we sat across from his desk, and he said, are you all old enough to drink? We all said, uh, drink what, sir? He reached behind his desk, revealed a refrigerator, opened it up, and it was every type of liquor that you could ever imagine. Oh, oh, you know the word says a little wine is good for your stomach. I didn't know that included malt liquor. But in his mind, this was okay on the holy day. And on a lot of people's mind, the Sabbath day is just another day. It's a day off. It's not a big deal. But as we learned the other night, if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of them all. And unfortunately, even among Sabbath keepers, we are not keeping the Sabbath day. Now, many of you are going to hear some things you've heard for the first time. And my promise to you that everything we share tonight is going to be based on the word of God. So let's bring out a few points about the Sabbath. And there's a few things that we need to understand. First and foremost, Jesus and the apostles kept the Sabbath. Amen? The Sabbath is not a Jewish holiday. Are you listening to me? Many people excuse themselves from keeping the seventh-day Sabbath because they say, oh, that's the Old Testament. Oh, that's what the Jews did. We're Christians. Jesus died on the cross. We don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. If that was the case, why did Jesus keep the Sabbath? Oh, you don't believe me? Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Luke chapter 4. Word of God is true. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 4. And verse 16, Sister Hodges, you have a King James Version of the Bible? I want you to read that text for us. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Here you go. 
<laughs> okay. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Wait a minute. Is this Jesus Christ? Is it Jesus Christ? The word of God says, as his custom was. He wasn't a guest. This wasn't a one-time event. Week after week, he went to worship on the Sabbath day. You would think that if Jesus didn't see any significance of the Sabbath, he would have been worshiping on the first day. But he worshiped on the seventh day, which was the Sabbath day. Well, you said, well, well, pastor, that was before he died on the cross. See, 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 after the cross, Christians really didn't keep the Sabbath anymore. Is that right? Would you be surprised if I told you Paul kept the Sabbath? Would you be surprised if I told you Paul kept the Sabbath? Acts chapter 13, the book of Acts. Paul lived after Jesus died. The book of Acts chapter 13 clearly brings out the fact that the apostles kept the Sabbath as well. Acts chapter 13 and verse 42. Acts chapter 13 and verse 42. Listen to this. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things. When, everyone? On the next Sabbath, when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Look at this. On the next, what everyone? Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Amen to the word of God. After Jesus died, his apostles kept the Sabbath day. The Sabbath wasn't done away with. If the Sabbath was done away with, he would have met with them at the synagogue the first week and said, listen, meet me on the first day next week. But no, he chose to preach the word of God and worship when? On the Sabbath day, which is the next week. Now, if that isn't enough for you, did you know the Sabbath did not originate with the Jews? It originated in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve weren't Jewish. They're the father and mother of who? Everyone. And if they kept the Sabbath, that means it wasn't a Jewish holiday. It originated with creation. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 2. The book of Genesis chapter 2. Who's understanding the word of God? Are you understanding it tonight? Is it clear? Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Genesis 2, 1 through 3. The word of God reads, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But the seventh day... God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. If the Sabbath is good enough for God, it's good enough for me. If God has to rest from his work, 
then I can take one day in seven and rest from my work as well. Amen? I want to be like God. I want to follow after God. And by doing that, I keep the Sabbath day. Now, if that's not enough for you, do you know throughout all of eternity and in heaven, we're going to keep the Sabbath? Oh, you don't believe me? Let's look in the Word of God again. And let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 66. Isaiah, chapter 66. Even in heaven... We're going to keep the word of God. And I'm going to ask my beautiful wife to read this. Isaiah chapter 6. Did you know Pastor Washington was married? This is my, this is my pretty wife. This is what I'm going to be with for an eternity. Isn't she pretty? Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 22 and 23. Read that for me to hear. Is that it? As the new heavens and the new earth that I will make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. From one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. Amen? Amen. So even in heaven, throughout eternity, we will keep the Sabbath. From one Sabbath to another, we will be able to go before the presence of the Lord and say, thank you, God, for saving me from this terrible earth. Amen? Thank you, God, for not letting me suffer. Thank you, God, for rescuing me and bringing me to this wonderful place, and it will happen on the Sabbath day. Now, I don't know about you. In heaven, I'm going to be worshiping God every day. But on the Sabbath day, that's going to be where the high praise takes place. Amen? Who believes the word of God? So, Jesus and the apostles kept the Sabbath. The Sabbath was kept in Eden, and also the Sabbath will be kept in heaven. Here's the second point I want to bring out to you tonight. The Sabbath is Saturday. Are you listening to me? The Sabbath is Saturday. It's not Sunday. The seventh day of the week is Saturday. And you may say, well, Pastor Washington, how do you know that? Well, let's look at a few things. Let's look at a few things. First of all, there's a few things that I need you to know. The question is, can we really tell what the seventh day is? There are at least four ways we can tell for certain Saturday is the seventh day. Number one, the Bible. And I want you to write these texts down because we're going to go through it pretty quick. The Bible clearly reveals that Jesus was crucified on the preparation day. Amen? That's Luke 23, 54. What do we call the day that Jesus was crucified on? What do we call that? Does anybody not know that? All right? We call that day Good Friday. Amen? All right? If we call that day Good Father, his closest followers rested as commanded on the Sabbath day. This is Luke 24, 55 and 56. So Jesus hung on the cross. Before the sun went down, he died. His followers took him down before the Sabbath and put him in the tomb and rested, the Bible says, on the Sabbath day. All right? What does the world call the day that Jesus rose on? Easter Monday? Easter Friday? Easter Sunday? They call it Easter Sunday, all right? So if he hung on the cross on Good Friday and he rose on Easter Sunday, 
and he rested on the Sabbath, what day is between Friday and Sunday? The seventh day of the week. None other day than Saturday. Also, language. In over 140 languages in the world, the word for the seventh day, which we called Saturday, is the word Sabbath. Language testifies to the Sabbath preservation through the centuries. Who speaks Spanish in here? What's, what, what, is, what, is, uh, what is Saturday called in Spanish? Sabado. What does that sound like? And in over 140 languages, Saturday is identified as some derivative of Sabbath. Amen? Amen. Thirdly, astronomy. The leading astronomers in the world testify to the fact that the weekly cycle has never changed. Centers like the Royal Naval Observatory in the U.S., the Royal Greenwich Observatory in England, affirm the constant weekly cycle. And finally, history. The Jewish people have kept an accurate record of the Sabbath through the centuries. For 4,000 years, they have preserved the true Sabbath, which is Saturday. If you know anyone who is Jewish, they are not going to church on Sunday. If you go to Israel and say, man, I'm going to the synagogue on Sunday, no one will be there. No one will be there. You know why? Because they keep the Sabbath day. And many of them keep the Sabbath better than some Seventh-day Adventists. Huh? So, <coughs> we can tell what the seventh day is from the Word of God, from history, from language, and astronomy. And the seventh day of the week is Saturday. It is not Sunday. Now, some people may say, well, Pastor, I know that. I know the seventh day of the week is, uh, is Saturday. But I go to church on Sunday to honor my Lord's resurrection. Heard that one before? That's why we go on Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, and that's why I worship on Sunday. Guess what? We have something that already honors his resurrection, and that's baptism. Baptism honors his resurrection. The Bible says you keep the Sabbath day holy, and if you want to honor his resurrection, you get baptized. You go in the water, and you rise from the dead just like Jesus rose again. Jesus never commanded you to honor his resurrection except by being baptized. He commanded you to keep the Sabbath day holy, and that's the seventh day of the week. Amen? So please, don't say we're doing it to honor the resurrection. The Bible never teaches that. I will give a reward to anyone who can show me where the Bible teaches that we honor his resurrection by not worshiping on the Sabbath, but by worshiping on the first day of the week. Bible doesn't teach that, and therefore, I will not do it. And lastly, and lastly, the last thing that we need to understand, first of all, Jesus and the apostles kept the Sabbath. Secondly, the Sabbath is Saturday. But finally, and here's the big one, the Sabbath was made for you. Mark 2, 27. Mark 2, 27. Mark 2, 27. Evangelist Tony, if you could read that for us. And he said to them, The Sabbath came into being for man's sake, and not for man the Sabbath's sake. 
Some versions say the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. It is disrespectful if I give you something special and you say, nah, I don't want it. I'll take my own thing. I can make something up for myself. Isn't that disrespectful? Uh, Sister Wileena, if I say, Sister Wileena, it's your birthday. I made this beautiful cake just for you, just to fit your needs. All right? And before I get that out the house, you say, you know what? Psst, I don't want that. I want that nasty cake. I can make my own cake. How do you think that would make me feel? It would hurt my feelings. All right? And all over the world, people are rejecting something that God made specifically for them. God made the Sabbath with you in mind because he knew if he did not command us to rest on one day, we would kill ourselves from working ourselves to death. You need one day in seven to refresh. You need one day in seven to reflect. I believe our physiology is even tuned to the Sabbath day. I think you sleep better on the Sabbath day. I think you eat better on the Sabbath day. I think you feel better on the Sabbath day. Just like a car needs oil every 3,000 miles, one day in seven, and on Saturday, which is the Sabbath day, you need to stop and worship your God. And if you don't, you will eventually break down. You will. If you're saying to yourself, man, I need that extra day to get your extra hours, you'll never get ahead. If you're working on the Sabbath right now, you will never get ahead. You'll find yourself saying, man, I did time, time and a half, and time, time and a half, and I'm still broke. You're working on the Sabbath day, and God said that's the day you should rest. I know several people who forsook more money on the Sabbath day, and they're better off now than they were if they would have taken that job. It's the truth. You need to rest. If you do not change your oil on a consistent basis, what will happen to your car? It'll break down. And on the Sabbath day, it's a time to recharge your batteries. On the Sabbath day, it's a chance to rejuvenate and get to know God more. On the Sabbath day, it's a chance to worship with all your fellow believers. On the Sabbath day, it's an opportunity for you to confess your sins. On the Sabbath day, it's a chance for you to forget about yourself and concentrate on him because he's worthy of your praise. Let's go to the screen to close tonight. Let's go to the screen. The Holocaust was a terrible time in Earth's history. This is the time when several European Jews were persecuted by Nazi Germany. In the early stages of this time, Jews were forced to wear patches to identify their ethnicity. They were routinely beaten and severely ridiculed. The worst abuse came in concentration camps. These camps held the Jews captive. They were tortured and forced to do manual labor and even killed. They were treated like animals and many 
Nazi soldiers will one day have to answer for the horrible things that they have done. But not all soldiers were bad people. Amidst all the hatred and violence on the Nazi side, there were soldiers who had a conscience and wanted to do the right thing. Frederick was one such soldier. He was over a group of 17 Jews. He was a kind man and treated all his captives with as much dignity as he could publicly show. His group was known as the hardest working and least troublesome group. They worked efficiently and they never grumbled. Even when one of them was dragged away to be tortured or killed, they would merely say to each other, be faithful to death. One day a fellow worker asked Frederick, why is your group so productive? Why can't they be provoked? Why do they not revolt? How can they be at peace even when they are tortured? Frederick looked puzzled and then he answered, I can't tell you, but I will show you. You must promise not to tell our commanders. His friend agreed and he took his fellow officers into his private quarters. Upon entering the room, he began to move a bug bed off the wall. He tapped on the wall in a specific place. The wall opened and revealed a staircase that led to an attic. They went up the staircase and there was a beautifully decorated library with furniture and hundreds of books. This is why, Frederick said, once a week, I give them a day off. Instead of sleeping or eating, though, this is where they go. They spend the day for some reason reading, praying, and singing. And they do this all day. This secret place that I made for them seems to have a great effect on them. Spending a day with their God makes them forget about spending all these terrible years with us. They have a secret place. They have a place where they could get away. They have a place that was made just for them. A place where they can talk to God one-on-one. -on -one. And this affects their behavior. Well, saints of God, Jesus has created a special place just for you. And that's the Sabbath day. It's a place and a time that if you spend it correctly, it will place you above the cares of this world. No matter what happens to you, Every week you can always retreat to your secret place, specially made for you. A time to talk to God. A time to tell him all your problems. A time to tell him all your fears. Oh, not a time to watch college football. Not a time to gamble. Not a time to gossip. 
but a time to sing, a time to pray, a time where you're given the right to forget about your job, to forget about your bills, to forget about bad family relationships, and say, God, here I am. Give me hope. Give me encouragement. Speak to me in this place that was made just for me. And that's what the Sabbath day is all about. It's a date with God. It's falling in love with him all over again every week. It's being renewed over and over. It's not about, oh, you can't do this on the Sabbath or you can't do that on the Sabbath. Personally, I'm sad when the Sabbath leaves. I can't wait for it to get here. And as the sun goes down on Sabbath evening, I'm a little sad. But from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, I have a special place that was made just for me. That was made just for me. And so many people are missing out on that blessing. So many people are missing out on that renewal. And I want to offer it to someone tonight. So if you bow your head with me. This may have been the first time you've heard this, or it may have been the first time you've heard it like this, but you've been missing out on that Sabbath rest. You've been missing out on taking that one day just to focus on God. And in the name of Jesus, I'm calling you to keep God's true Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. If you've heard this message and God has touched your heart, if you're eager to learn more about this based on the word of God and not tradition, no matter where you are, if you want to experience that secret place, I'm calling you right now to accept God's holy Sabbath day. If that's you, stand to your feet tonight. No matter who you are, and you need to accept God's holy Sabbath day, maybe for the first time or accepting it again, stand to your feet tonight. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to our worship this weekend. I want you to be here with us. Are you here tonight? Or do you need to accept God's holy Sabbath? Or maybe you've been keeping the Sabbath, but you haven't been keeping it as you should. You've been worried about your job. You've been worried about your family. You've been worried about your finances but you want to renew yourself in that secret place. If that's you, why don't you stand to your feet? And I want to pray for you as well. Who are you tonight? Who are you tonight? Praise the Lord. Who are you tonight? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the Sabbath rest that you have given us. Lord, this world has been teaching a lie. Lord, there have been people who've tried to change your Sabbath day. There have been people who've tried to pervert your truth. But Lord, tonight we lift up the banner. We let the world know there was a God who loved us, and he loved us enough to give us a day where we could spend time exclusively with him. The Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week. So Lord, help us to keep it better. Help us to honor it more. And for the dear soul who tonight wants to keep the Sabbath 
for the first time, give them the courage to step out. Give them the courage to say, Pastor, give me more information about this Sabbath day that I may go teach my family, that I may go teach my friends. Please, Lord, give them the desire to learn more. We love you and we bless your name. In the name of Jesus, let everyone say Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Saints of God, have you been blessed tonight? I know I have. The Sabbath is such a wonderful message, and I know I've been blessed. For those of you who stood, and this is your first time, I would love to talk to you after the service. I would love to invite you to our services this weekend. The Sabbath, the worship topic is entitled The Potter's House, and you don't want to miss it. Our services begin at 9 a.m., not with Sunday school, but with Sabbath school. And then we follow that with our divine worship service at 11 o'clock. We're going to have a good time in the Lord, and you're going to worship like you never worshiped before. So we indeed want you to be here. Stay with me. We have two more nights left in our revival. It's been a good couple of weeks. We have two more nights. It always does me such a pleasure to see so many people out. Wednesday night, the sermon is entitled, One Sweet Day. And it's about the state of the dead. You may have not learned the truth about your loved ones who have passed away. And we're going to learn the truth based on the word of God. And then Friday night's topic is entitled Sexual Healing, Recovering from Sexual Sin. So many of our people struggle with that or haven't given that type of guilt to God. And this will be an opportunity to give it to God. And we'll wrap up Sabbath morning with the potter's house. God bless you. Please drop an offering in the bucket. At